Okay, for a few moments, only for a few moments, I want you to think about something in your life, over even even today, even that you're you're willing to go to great lengths for, that or something in your past that you said, I I know it's going to be a long road to get there, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. Now, a simple example of this might be getting a driver's license, uh, and that's something that everybody wants. How many people, if you got your you took your written test or your driving test and you flunked it the first time, would say, I'm done. I, I actually flunked my written test horrendously. It was so bad, she just kept marking them wrong and just walked away. But I didn't give up. I came back because I wanted a driver's license. And now I can drive. Thankfully, I've... I've yeah, I, yeah. She doesn't think I can drive, I guess. Um, but it was something I wanted, and so I worked at it. Now, if you want to be the best employee, or you want to be the best student, or you want to be the best athlete, how are you going to treat that? I mean, what are you going to do to become the best? You're going to put, okay, what are you going to do? You're going to practice. You're going to put in extra time. You're going to talk to people who know, hey, these are the tricks of the trade. You're going to try to read how-to books. You're going to put in uh, extra time at the gym if you want to be the fastest, if you want to be the strongest. And there's people today who will take it to more an extreme. You know, there's, there's people who, if you can hear of heroes, modern-day heroes, where uh, just at an instant, people have to decide, am I going to help this person in distress? People who, who ordinarily wouldn't talk to each other are all of a sudden risking their lives to save somebody. They're putting their own life in danger to help somebody that they don't even know. And they don't know, they don't know if the outcome is going to be positive. They don't know if they're going to survive. It doesn't look good, but they say, this person's in need. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. And if a stranger will do that for you or for somebody else, how much more would you do that <clears throat> for your own kid? I mean, if your own kid was out in the pond and, and the ice broke free, how many of us would just stand there and watch and say, oh, well, you're, you're on your own? You know, we're going to go out there. How, how, whatever it takes, we're going to do to get this kid out of the water. Or if your parents or, or your grandparents are in a house that's on fire, we're not just going to stand there and say, well, that's too bad. You know, throw out the marshmallows and the chocolate and enjoy it. We're going to run in there. I mean, most people are going to try to do something in order to rescue those people. And we're going we're gonna to hopefully, today we're going to be talking about using that, going that extra mile, that extra, the extra time, the extra energy, the extra effort that we would put in to rescue somebody, to, to become the best at something in order to get our driver's license we're going, to, we're going to look at hopefully be, and be encouraged that we need to do that, have that same effort, that same drive, that same desire to reach people for Jesus as we do for uh, accomplishing these things that are temporary on earth. So we're going to look at today that when you try to reach people for Jesus, I hate to tell you, but you're going to face obstacles when you try to do that. And you probably already know. When I, I've already tried to reach people for Jesus and I face obstacles. But when you face obstacles, for most people, if I face an obstacle for my driver's license test, I don't give up. I, I try again. And so when you face obstacles, when you try to reach people for Jesus, overcome those obstacles. And when you do that, hopefully you're going to have success. I got my driver's license. I've never lost it. I've been just fine with it. And, but if the results aren't up to you. Your job is to just reach out and try to reach people with the gospel but the results are up to Jesus. And that's what we're going to find today. We're going to find that there's, um, there's four friends. 
And they, they're going to try to bring the friend to Jesus. He's a paralytic, which means nothing works. His arms don't work. His legs don't work. All he can do is lay on a mat, and he can stare at the sky. And he, he, all he can do is hope or beg his friends to move him from place to place because he can't do that himself. And so four friends say, we want to bring you to Jesus. I don't know if that guy asked them to do it. I don't know if they said, we're going to do this on our own because we know it's important, but we're going to bring you to Jesus. And so Luke chapter 5, we find the story of the paralytic. And we're going to read verses uh, 17 through 19, the first part of 19. It says, One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralytic on a mat came and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. Okay, so you have four friends. Who knows how far that they've come to bring their friend to Jesus. And when they get there, all of a sudden they face an obstacle. And you probably already know what the first obstacle is. It's a bunch of people. You have good people. And you have not-so-good people. The not-so-good people are the religious people. They're the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They're all crowded into this room. Let's picture just some kind of box, square room. And they're all crowded in there to listen to what Jesus has to say. To see if, what, what is this guy about? Is he telling the truth? Is this what he's saying really found in Scripture? Because they don't, they're not, they're kind of getting the impression they don't really like Jesus. People are starting to follow him instead of doing what they would like. And so they're there kind of trying to catch Jesus in something. And uh, so and they're not just people who are there trying to hear Jesus. These are people, when they see this paralytic on a mat, they're people who are more judgmental towards him. Because in their mind, they say, you're, you have issues uh, being a paralytic because you did something wrong. How would you like that? Every time you, you broke your arm, it's because of sin. Uh, and this guy is, he's laying on a mat, but that was a common thought of the day, because Jesus' disciples, uh, in John chapter 9, verse 2, they had the same thought. They said, there was this man who was born blind, and they asked him, Jesus, did this, why was this man born blind? Was it because his parents sinned, or was it because this kid, or because this man sinned? So they're saying, this man, while he was in the womb, did something so bad that he was born blind. So there was this natural thought in people's heads that because you had a sickness, because you had some kind of ailment, that you have a physical problem. And so he's, they're dealing with just people, the religious people, but the religious people who are looking down on them, thinking, that's your problem. You deserve that. You're not getting into this room. We want to hear what this guy has to say. But there's also good people who are there too. And I, I, it doesn't say good people specifically, but it says the power, Jesus had the power to heal people. Now, Jesus, he was never limited by his ability to heal people. If you're blind, he can make you see without any trouble. If, he was, if people were lame, he could heal his paralytic without any trouble. But the difference here is that these people had faith. Jesus was, he was more, he wasn't just a miracle pumping machine. He didn't just go around saying, okay, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. A lot of it was based off the faith that people had that, that Jesus could heal him the relationship they had with God, and Jesus was willing to do a miracle if it was going to make a difference in their life. Not just to heal people, to heal them, but he had a purpose in mind through that healing. And so there's good people there, and there's bad people, but there's obviously lots of people 
who are not going to let this man get through this doorway to get to Jesus. Now, the other obstacle they face is a house. Now, obviously, you guys have houses for a reason, right? You're living in the house, and what's the house protect you from? It protects you from the weather. It protects you from the animals. It protects you from your annoying neighbors, right? Anything that can get in the house that you don't want there, so you have a barrier. And so that, you know, if they were in a crowd, Jesus or all these friends could have just pushed their way through the crowd to finally get to Jesus. And like cows, they'll finally separate. You know, they're not going to, like, link arms and say you're not getting through. They would finally be able to push their way to Jesus and say, here you go, but you got these walls, and so you can't get in through a wall. And it probably didn't have windows like you have here. It's probably more just like a block house. All you got is a doorway, and that's it. And so they have this obstacle that they cannot get through to Jesus. But Jesus on the inside also cannot see them. I mean, he, I think he probably knows they're there, but he cannot see them. So you got two obstacles. You got people, and you got a building that's keeping them from, Je- <coughs> keeping them from Jesus. <clears throat> now, when you try to bring people to Jesus, guess what? I've already said it, and you already know it. There are going to be obstacles when you try to bring people to Jesus. Some of them will be the same. Some of them are going to be a little bit different. Now, one of the obstacles you're going to face is going to be people. Now, it might be the person that you're trying to bring to Jesus. Hey, Leslie, I want to I I take you to church, and Leslie's got a list this long of why she doesn't need Jesus. And she's got a list even longer of why she can't get to church on Sunday morning. That's obstacles. What are you going to do? It might be somebody who uh, unknowingly puts, I mean, you know, because, let me back up. Might unknowingly put other options in her way, in her path. Let me, let me prove this point or illustrate it. When I had a youth group in Davenport, <clears throat> I would organize a big event. And it would, it would be something out of the ordinary or even just a regular youth group night. And I never knew who was going to show up until they actually walked through the door. We even did like this uh, a marshmallow, uh, a marshmallow war games. It was like a little. Uh, we'll have to do it here sometime. But it was like a PVC pipe. You put these little marshmallows in, and you'd shoot them. Or we got this great big floor, the game of life. Somebody had made it all the way through, and you actually walked through this thing. But you never knew who's going to show up until they got there, because there was always something better out there. And and so this that could happen. That could be an obstacle. You're inviting people to church, and they say, yes, I'm going to go. But all of a sudden, my team that wasn't going to make it to the playoffs is all of a sudden on TV, and I'm going to watch it. Or all of a sudden, I'm invited to the lake, which is far more interesting than churches. There's going to be obstacles. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? Another one, and this is one we all face, I'm sure, is the obstacle of fear. Boy, I, I know I should tell Noah about Jesus. I know I should go talk to Gary and Connie, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid because of what they're going to think. I'm afraid that they're going to reject me. I'm afraid I'm not going to have all the answers. Obstacles, right? All these things that all of a sudden say, don't go any farther because it's, I don't know how big that mountain is. I don't know how big that rock is. I don't know if I can get through it. I don't know if I can get around it. You're going to face obstacles. Now, when these friends face this obstacle of people and this this house, they didn't say, well, uh, sorry, pal, I realize you are in dire need of Jesus, and I know he's just on the other side of that wall, 
And if we could get to him, but bummer, it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. We tried. I mean, he's going to be happy that you at least tried. And they could have took that, and they still could have just walked home. But they said, no, wait, we're not going to stop with the fact that we got here. I mean, who knows how many miles they came? Did they come two miles? Did they come from the house next door? Did they come from two towns over? I don't know, but they said, this is not happening. We're not going to be stopped by these people. We're not going to be stopped by this building. Anything that's getting in our way, I think these guys were determined. They were going to walk on water to get this friend to Jesus. And so what they did was their houses looked a little different from ours. Let me read, uh, let me read it, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, the second half of verse 19 it says, they went up on the roof and lowered his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Their houses were different from ours. Obviously, ours go like this, and you have a roof like this. You try to get up there, and hopefully you don't fall off, but there's no way you're going to keep someone on a stretcher and dig through the roof and lower them down. Now, there's different ways that their houses were built. They, some of them, uh, some houses had like these big clay square tiles, and they would lift it up, and they could take it off, and so it wasn't that big a deal in order to drop something through the floor or through the ceiling. Some of them had, like, grass, and they had sod, and so you're, you gotta, you're just digging away at the roof in order to get this guy there. But they said, it doesn't matter what this roof is like. These people, were, these friends were going to lower this guy and bring him to Jesus. And just imagine what this guy is thinking is he's, he's getting dropped through the floor, you know, and all of a sudden, he, just, he can't really look around. He has no idea what anybody's thinking. And he's just, I hope this works. I hope this is acceptable. Because, I mean, right in front of everybody. I mean, if you're the owner of the house, and this, they're digging through your house, what are you thinking? Hey, wait a second. Get off my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it through the crowd, run up the stairs, and start yelling at these people. No way. Get, fix this. <laughs> I want I want to get back down. Even the, the comic in here says, I'm glad you're healed because I'm going to need help fixing that roof. <laughs> I mean, just, it, it was an obstacle. They weren't going to let them stop. It wasn't going to stop them. And the same way these friends said, hey, we're not going to let anything stop us from getting this man physically to Jesus. We need to overcome obstacles when we try to bring people to Jesus. <clears throat> Remember, we talked about people as obstacles. There's recreational activities that get in the way, and there's fear. Are you going to let those things stop you from bringing people to Jesus? Uh, from, from going, are you going to quit on your neighbor saying, well, at least I tried. I mean, I invited them to church, and that's great. You invited them to church, or you uh, invited them to, to some other event, and that's more than most people will do. Or even walking up and say, hey, Dale, this is the message. I mean, at least you did something. Are you going to stop just because they say no, or I don't want it, or they don't have any response whatsoever? You might have to go to great lengths to bring people to Jesus. Now, People say, I have this list a mile long of why I can't come to Jesus. You know, it's too early. You know what you could do is find a different church opportunity. It might mean, okay, fine, Plevenus at 1045 is too early for church. What around here could we do that would have a later service? Maybe, say, we'll offer, maybe in Baker there's something. Maybe come over to my house, we'll get online, we'll listen to some guy really good, and we'll, we'll watch it together. That's, that's, that's an option of, hey, that's an obstacle. You said, hey, it's too early. Let's find some way to fix this. Maybe they say, it's too early. Say, hey, I'll pick you up. 
You sleep in, or I'll bring you to my house. We'll make breakfast. I'll take you to church. It's overcoming an obstacle. Maybe they say, I don't know anybody at church. That's true. You might have uh, a neighbor or a friend you want to bring to church, and they're not going to know anybody but you. Let us know. We'll say, hey, we'll all try to be extra friendly to that person. Maybe invite that person's extra friend. Say, hey, uh, Steve, you're by yourself, and you don't know anybody? Well, why don't, Steve, why don't we bring your whole family? Because at least you'll know them. Or call some kind of mutual friend, somebody that from work that, that uh, goes to church that's going to know them or doesn't. I mean, I'm just, the whole idea is like, do not let anything stop you. People throw excuses at you. Fight those excuses and try to find some other way to make it work. You know, somebody might try to reason with you, a family member, like, leave Leslie alone because she doesn't need that. Maybe stop and listen to say, okay, well, what is it about this about this, did you, why don't you want Leslie to go to church? And maybe they have, this, they have this huge story of how they were hurt at church. But if you sit and listen to them, and you try to understand what they're telling you, then maybe you'll be able to talk with them and say, hey, maybe we can try it one time. But the idea, like I said, is, is don't let it stop you. I mean, you might have to get really creative on um, bringing people to Jesus. Okay, they say, fine. I don't, I don't want to go through the church. There's no way I'm going to I darken the door of a church. That's fine. Anybody ever hear of a Christian movie or a Christian concert? I know with our youth group, there was kids I couldn't get into youth group, but we could take them to concerts. Now, me, maybe I look like a, uh, I love rock and roll and loud music. I don't know. But I, I sat there miserable. I had earplugs in my ears just sitting there, and the kids are they're loving concerts. And they, they, the gospel message was presented. Be creative. Find some other way. Uh, get involved in their lives. I was at this, uh, a pastor in North Dakota yesterday was getting ordained. And I'm just listening to people talk. And one guy was saying that, and it wasn't about reaching people. He was just talking about how he's got a friend who likes to shoot guns. And, and he likes to shoot guns. Well, this friend doesn't, he's working on his house right now, and he doesn't, he doesn't know the Lord, but he likes uh, reloading his own ammo. And so what this guy's thinking of doing is, hey, I'm going to buy the equipment, and I'm going to learn how to reload my ammo. Do you know why he's going to do that? It's not because he wants to go out and shoot more. He wants to connect with this guy on some other form or some other area and use that as a tool to get him to know the Lord. There's, uh, if you've ever heard of turkey shoots, you probably have, where they, they try to, and camps, camps are great for this, because they'll, they'll find anything that people have in common. Like, like I was saying with the turkey shoot, you'll get men who won't come, they won't come to church. There's no way, but they'll go shoot uh, targets for prizes. And then it, while you're there, you present the gospel. Camps, there are, I've heard of quilting camps, I've heard of uh, like sports camps, I've heard of um, I don't know. What's that? Scrapbooking camp. Which, um, and it's like people people will come because they like this activity. They like this hobby. While you're there, somebody presents the gospel. What they're doing is exactly what we need to do: is get creative in trying to bring people to Jesus. Paul in First uh, Corinthians nine twenty two to twenty three, he says he pretty much says, "I become like them because I want to reach them." You're into soccer, and I don't really like soccer, but I want to reach you for the Lord. I'm going to try to get involved in soccer, or at least understand so that I can 
have a common ground and hopefully build a relationship through that and eventually share the gospel with you. I think you, you probably all understand the idea. And all, the, all these obstacles of people, of, of recreational activities, of rejection, they're all things that I've experienced. And I'm sure most of you have experienced the real-life obstacles that make us say, boy, I just don't know if I can go farther. I don't know if I can move this boulder. I don't know if I can go around this or over this. But we can, and we need to. We need to put that same kind of effort into being the best builder, being the best rancher, being the best football player. We need to put that into how we're going to reach people with the gospel. And I would recommend, you know, when, you're, when you, if you face fear of what you're going to tell people, you know how you want to get good at passing, like, your driver's test? What do you do? You study, right, so you know the answers. I would suggest studying so you know the answers. And like Leslie just said, she said this, pray. And you ask God, hey, make sure, God, could you go before me? Could you make sure these people are ready so they're ready to hear the gospel when I get there? So you're going to face obstacles. We all know that. And, but you've got to have the determination, the tenacity, that I'm not going to let this obstacle stop me, just like these four friends did. Okay, so now we're going to look at uh, chapter 5, verses 20 to 26, and see how this all worked out for them. It says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Well, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I'm going to stop right there and say, you know what? They're raising a very good point here. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, in order for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven, this guy has to be a believer in the first place. Because, uh, I mean, I can say I forgive you, but that doesn't make things right between you and God. It doesn't make things right between me and God just because you say you forgive me. So at some point, this man has to know he's got to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, maybe it was when he got lowered through the floor and he finally he made eye contact with Jesus, he put his faith in him and Jesus is saying, your sins are forgiven. Maybe he's had it his whole life. Maybe he's feeling the pressure. Maybe he started believing himself, because I've sinned, now I'm in this situation. Because it doesn't say this guy, maybe the guy just happened to fall off a roof and that's how he got hurt. Maybe... He got some kind of crippling disease that made him like that. We have no idea how this man got like this, but maybe he's feeling like, maybe I am guilty. Maybe that's why. And Jesus says, look, buddy, it's not because you're a sinner. It's because of life has just happened to you, and your, but your sins are forgiven. And the, the Pharisees, they're thinking, well, how can this guy do this? How can this guy forgive sins if he's not God? It says in verses 21 or 22 through the end, it says, Jesus knew what they were thinking. He says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But you, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were all filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. So you have these Pharisees, and they're all starting to wonder, How can this guy forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus says, I know what you guys are thinking. 
you guys are thinking I'm committing blasphemy, which blasphemy is a very serious thing in the Bible. If you're if you're uh, if you're speaking bad against God, if you're if you're claiming to be God, if you're mocking God, if you're saying I can do the things that only God can do, that was a punishable death, uh, punishable by death by stoning. And they they didn't like Jesus. They're probably saying, "Oh, good, we got this guy. Is this is this really what he's saying?" But they're they're right. Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus is saying, "Guess what, guys? I am God. I'm Jesus. I'm God in the flesh, and I can forgive these sins." And Jesus is knowing exactly what they're thinking. So now I got to ask you the question: the same thing that I asked my son yesterday on the way home, that I asked myself as a kid, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. Now, they're both four words long. Your sins are forgiven, get up and walk. And as a kid, I'm thinking, what can I say faster? Your sins are forgiven, get up and walk. So I'm thinking probably get up and walk, which is what Noah thought. Maybe you know the answer already, maybe you don't. But let me tell you, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Do you know why? Because if I say, Sharon, your sins are forgiven, can you prove that her sins are forgiven or that they're not forgiven? But if Sharon's laying here all stretched out on the floor and she cannot move, and I say, get up and walk, Sharon, and she, she's got to get up and walk, right? You can say anything. I can say um, anything that's on the inside because you can't see that. And so Jesus says, look, guys, I'm going to prove to you that this guy's sins are forgiven. I'm going to heal this man. So he says, get up and walk. The guy stood up. He took his mat, and now this whole crowd that was buried, that wouldn't let him pass in, are now stepping sideways for this man to walk right out of the house. And he's excited, and they're all excited, and they're all in awe that Jesus was able to heal this man. And that he could, <coughs> and that now he could walk, he's able to go free. And they all marveled at what he did. Now when Jesus first talked to this guy, when he lowered him down, he's sitting there on the floor, he says, your sins are forgiven. And the guy's probably thinking, well, that's great. I mean, I, I appreciate that. I don't feel any different. I can't do any different. I didn't come for that. But Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, which is obviously the bigger thing. But when he went there, he had no idea what he was going to get. He was hoping to get healed. He had no idea he was going to have his sins forgiven. He, he didn't even know if Jesus was going to heal him. He didn't. He was hoping to just get there and see what happened. And his friends didn't know for sure what was happening. They, they just knew that Jesus could heal. They were determined to at least get him to Jesus and let Jesus do what he was going to do. Now, when you desire to bring someone to Jesus and you face obstacles and you say, I'm going to overcome these obstacles, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get him to church, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure they understand the gospel, you don't have any idea what their response is going to be. You don't know if they're going to become get excited about the Lord, and they're going to become the next greatest missionary to far-off France, or to, to Guatemala, or to, to Germany, or to Idaho, or Washington. You have no idea what difference that's going to make. The, pers- the, the people who gave you a list a mile long who said, I can't come to church and I don't need Jesus, that list may never end. You may never get them to Jesus. But that's not your fault. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to try to overcome that obstacle to try to bring them to Jesus. The, the, the events that always take the place of Sunday morning or always take the place every time you get somebody, okay, we're going to this concert, 
I bought the tickets, and we're ready to go, and I know they're going to present the gospel. And I knock on the door, and he says, oh, I never mind, I'm going to this racing event. Those events may always win. When you overcome that fear, like, okay, I'm going to go tell Grandpa about Jesus, and I'm going to work up the guts. And you, you, pour, you, you prayed, and you had everybody prayed, and you finally get there, and you tell Grandpa about Jesus, and he still says, go away, I don't want that. There's no guarantee that even if you do overcome that obstacle to get them there, that there's going to be this amazing recovery, this amazing response to the gospel. They may never care whatsoever, but that's not up to you. What's Our job is to try to bring people to Jesus, to try to share the gospel with them. The results are up to them. This guy got more than he asked for. He got his sins forgiven. And he got healed. Jesus could have just healed him and said, Hey, yeah, buddy, I, I know you have faith. Go ahead and go. But Jesus had a bigger purpose in mind. He wanted to convince the rest of his people that he was God in the flesh. And so he did that, but nobody knew what was going to happen. The results are not up to us when we try to bring people to Jesus. We're supposed to just go to great lengths to try to get them there. You know, that's what Jesus did. He went to great lengths in order to reach us. He's up in heaven. Last week I told you he's up there in his comfort zone. He has no fear of pain. He has no sickness. There's nothing up there to make him sad or annoyed. And he has, he came down to this earth out of his comfort zone in order to reach us. And the same thing here. He went to great lengths. He, he came into this earth as a baby, to, to live a really poor man's life and to grow up in a poor family and to be rejected by this world, to die on a cross. And if you don't think that's a great length to reach me for the, so I can have eternal life, I don't know what could be greater. Giving up your place in heaven and coming down to earth and trusting uh, and dying on a cross to pay for the sins of the whole world, even people who say, I don't want that. Jesus went to the greatest length possible in order to reach us. So A, first of all, that's the kind of example that we need to follow. Jesus gave his life in order to reach us. There's no, there's no obstacle that's too big for us to try to overcome to try to reach other people with the gospel. But also at the same time, Jesus, he, he, he went to such great lengths to reach us. Have you, have you overcome the little obstacle that we have? We have a little obstacle we have in order to get to Jesus, and that's pride. Because pride says, boy, I don't need Jesus, or I'm not that bad, or, or I'm good enough on my own. We have to overcome a little obstacle in our, other li- in our life in order to get to Jesus. Are you willing to admit to Jesus, hey, you just did an amazing thing. You, you overcome, you went great lengths to reach, reach me, and I want to accept that. I want to accept you as my Savior. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, you, you died on the cross to pay for my sins, and I want to accept you as my Savior so that I can have eternal life. Jesus proved it by going great lengths. Have you, have you taken him up on his offer and accepted his free gift of salvation? If you haven't, I encourage you to take that little hurdle, go over that little obstacle to get to Jesus, overcome that pride, and say, yes, I do need you. And remember that Jesus is willing. It took this man had, Jesus saw that he had faith and he was healed. Jesus is going to look and say, you have faith, I'm going to give you salvation. 
If you need Jesus, I ask that you would just ask him for his salvation. Dear God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you went great lengths in order to reach me. I, I am nothing special, God. I'm just, I'm just your, I'm just a person that you made, and I, I, uh, I just praise you, God, that you're willing to give your life so that I can have eternal life. And God, I know there's a lot of great lengths that we have to go to to reach people. There's, there's obstacles all over the place. There's, there's the people that we have to, to talk to that might have a list a mile long of why they don't need you or why they can't come to a function that, where your gospel is going to be shared. There's going to be sporting events, God. There's going to be hunting. There's going to be uh, the lake. There's just going to be all kinds of obstacles. Please, God, help people who need you to, to overcome those obstacles. Help us to get past those things to reach you. And God, I know that we have fear. I think if we didn't have fear, God, we'd just go tell everybody all the time about you. But we have fear of what people are going to think. And I just pray that you'd help us to overcome those obstacles uh, to reach people. And God, if there's anybody here who needs to overcome the little obstacle of pride to, to come to you as their Savior, I just pray that they would. Thank you, God, for your salvation. And I pray that we would have the courage to, to climb over those obstacles and share you with other people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.